Hi, everyone. Thank you for welcoming us into your home. We're in our second week of Advent, and uh, Advent is really a season of preparation. And the title of this series is Get Ready. Today, I want to talk about getting ready to be tested from Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 to 18. It's a very familiar story. It's about uh, after the Magi had returned to their country by another route, and then the threat that Herod made that he was going to kill the children and the escape of the holy family into Egypt. So here's the text, Matthew 2, 13 to 18. When they had gone, he's talking about the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I have called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said to the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this season, the season of preparation, the season of waiting. Lord, we know that uh, you're at work doing many things in our world and in our personal lives. And, and one of those things that you do is that you test us. You test our faith. Help us to understand that and help us to be ready for when you test us. And may we come through with flying colors and again and continue to trust your faithfulness. In your name we pray. Amen. So Joseph in the nativity story has four angelic dreams. In chapter 1, verse 20, he's told by the angel not to be afraid to take Mary home to be his wife. And then in 2.13, he's told in our text to go to Egypt. And then in 2.19, he's told to go back to Israel. And then more specifically in chapter 2.22, he's told to go to Galilee and not to where he was planning on going because the Tetrarch at that time was also a very dangerous kind of fellow. So this dream, of all the dreams that he has, this dream that we talked about in our text is the most urgent. In the original language, it comes across uh, quite stridently. Uh, they're sleeping. And uh, the angel says, basically, get up out of your bed and get out of here now. So it was urgent, it was strident, it was imperative. You see, the Jews had a long history of escaping to Egypt. There was another Joseph who went up to Egypt, uh, the great-grandson of Abraham. You remember the story how he was sold into slavery, he ends up in Egypt, and later he welcomes all of his brothers and family to live in Egypt and uh, because of the famine back in Israel. Well, because of that, and many other times, uh, it seems as Egypt was a place where Jews would escape to if they were being threatened in their home country. And each city in Egypt, in fact, had a significant Jewish colony in Alexandria, probably where the Holy Family uh, escaped to, had a very large colony of Jews. Now, there was an ancient legend that developed regarding the Holy Family's escape to Egypt. We don't know whether it's true or not, 
but it was first reported by St. Augustine way back in the 4th century. The story is told that the Holy Family were attacked by bandits on the way from Bethlehem to Egypt. And one of the thieves, whose name was Dismas, took mercy on the child and the Holy Family, and he convinced his fellow thieves to spare the lives of the Holy Family. After sparing their lives, he said, O most blessed of children, if ever there come a time for having mercy on me, then remember me. And forget not this hour. This was recorded, of course, by St. Augustine around the, the fourth century. Of course, Jesus meets Dismas again at Calvary because that's thought to be the name of the penitent thief. So in the legend, we have uh, the penitent thief sparing the Holy Family and then being crucified on Jesus's right and uh, Jesus sparing his life and forgiving him and offering him eternal life. It's, it's a wonderful story, wonderful legend. We don't know if it's true or not, but it's interesting. So Jesus is protected from the slaughter of the innocents by this dream that uh, the Lord sends him. Just as Moses was protected from Pharaoh uh, during that time when Pharaoh was intending to kill the small children uh, of uh, of Israel uh, in order to keep their population in check. And so both Moses and Jesus become deliverers from, for their people, and both of them uh, avoid uh, the slaughter of the innocents. And, and uh, Matthew is definitely helping us to connect this story, this idea that Jesus is going to be the new Messiah, the new deliverer of Israel. As Moses was a former deliverer to get them out of Egypt, Jesus is going to be a deliverer to bring salvation to their people. And both survive infanticide. No, Moses' mother hides him from Pharaoh in the bulrushes in Egypt, and Jesus is hidden from Herod. So whenever God is at work, whenever God is doing his thing among us, there will be opposition. We know that. Um, this is, this is uh, part of the ongoing story of the people of God. Remember David being anointed to be king of Israel. And, and right after his anointing, right after this, this wonderful ceremony of, of God's choosing, God's selecting, and God's anointing, Saul, the king, chases him all over the countryside trying to kill him. Remember Elijah and Mount Carmel and how he had this confrontation with the prophets of Baal and how he defeated them and the fire came down from heaven. It was a tremendous victory for Elijah and the people of God. And right after that, Jezebel is after him in 1 Kings chapter 19 and he's running for his life. Remember the story of the day of Pentecost when all the people come uh, to know uh, Jesus uh, through Peter's sermon. And it, it's just a wonderful story of revival and renewal as the people of God are coming together and getting baptized. Well, right after that, tremendous opposition breaks out against the apostles and they're persecuted. So we know, we know that whenever God is at work, uh, there's opposition, there's testing, there's trials, there's difficulty. Our, our faith will be tested. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, and we won't have all the information we would like to have when we're tested. We never do. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a test. If, if we knew the future, then it wouldn't really be a trial or a test at all. But rather, we are often uh, in the dark about the information that we'd really like to know. And, and we see this in the picture of, of Mary 
and Joseph and the baby. Maybe Mary and Joseph had plans to uh, buy a condo on the Mediterranean or, or perhaps to buy a little hobby farm where he could practice his uh, carpentry skills. But no, they're off. They're, they're running to Egypt. Where will they stay? How long will they be there? All of that information is not available to them. They're just told to get up and go. And, and many of our trials and tests are like that, where we don't have all the information that we would like, but we just have to respond to God and, and, and trust in his faithfulness. You see, we rarely see the bigger story. We, we only see one chapter of the story of our lives, or perhaps even one paragraph or one sentence in the story. And that's true of the story here of uh, Mary and Joseph and the baby as they flee to Egypt. Uh, it's often inconvenient to be tested, and it's often uncomfortable to go through these times when, when we're asked to uh, walk by faith and not by sight and not understand all that God is doing. But the Lord provides. What was it like to run from Herod uh, at night? And, and Jesus was probably a toddler at this time because this, the Magi don't visit directly after the birth of Jesus, but a little bit later. What was it like? How inconvenient, how stressful that must have been for them. Did the gold and the incense and the myrrh sustain them? Is that what they used to, to live in Egypt while they were there? Uh, this was probably not their preferred plan. This was probably not what they wanted to do, not what they had in, their, in mind when this baby was born. Uh, but God's provision in our plans are often at odds. And sometimes we, we think we have it all figured out and we think that, that we can look ahead into the future and, and understand how things are going to be or how things are going to go. And it just doesn't turn out that way. And the Lord tests our faith, the faith, and we need to be strong and we need to trust him in the midst of the, ch the challenges of our lives. You see, you cannot trust and at the same time have all the answers. Uh, you won't need to trust God if everything is set in stone beforehand. This is tough news for some personality types because some of us like to have all of our ducks in the row all the time. We like to be very organized and we like to, like to have everything set in order. And we're very uncomfortable with uh, uh, challenges that take us out of our routine or, or off of the way that we usually do things or the way we want to do things. But with God, he tests us, he challenges us, and we have to walk by faith. You know, there's a wonderful scripture, verse 1 John 4, 18, that says, perfect love drives out fear. When we love God, when we have an appreciation for how much he loves us, it helps us not to be afraid. You know, you can also turn that statement around and say that fear drives out love. I, I think that's so true as well. Fear does drive out love. And, and one of the things we're seeing in, in the day and age in which we live is that many people are fearful. And when people are fearful, they tend to do unloving things. They forget about loving their neighbor as they should. And we have to remember that uh, that's just not the way we are to behave. Rather, not to be fearful, we are to trust the Lord. Christian love does not thrive in the presence of fear. So get ready be, to be tested. Authentic faith gets tested. That's how we grow our faith. That's how we mature. That's how we become stalwart followers of Jesus. He often interrupts our plans. And that's a good thing because God's will is better than our will. God's ways are better than our ways. The Lord always provides it may not be our preferred plan. It may not be the way we hoped things would go. But his ways are always 
best. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great, great love for us. We thank you that because of your love, we don't need to fear in the midst of tests, in the midst of times when things aren't going as we'd planned and things aren't going the way we think they should. We know that you're still there. And just as you protected and provided for the Holy Family, even though their plans were interrupted, even though they were shocked by by what they had to do, so you were involved in our lives. Help us to trust you. Help us not to be afraid. Help us to realize that your ways are better than our ways, that your purposes trump our purposes. We thank you for, again, your great love for us, that you care for us, that you nurture us, and that you're with us all along the path. In your name we pray. Amen. Here's a question of the day that I'd like you to ponder in the next minute or so. When in the midst of a test of your faith, would it help to remember that the Lord is allowing you to test his faithfulness? What is really on trial when you're going through a test of your faith? Isn't it God's faithfulness? I find that's helpful to remember that when we're going through difficult times, that God is really putting an opportunity before us so that we can see how faithful he really is. Well, if testing is a fact of our spiritual lives, can we prepare to be tested? <laughs> uh, we can study for an exam. Can we, can we study to be tested? Can you study for a test of your faith? The intent of a test of our faith is not for the teacher to know us, because Jesus already knows us inside and out. He knows how we'll respond. The test is not for his sake. The test is for our sake. He knows us already. It's for us to know us and for us to know him that he tests us. It's in order that we would grow. What's really on trial? God's faithfulness is on trial in the midst of our tests. And I, I like to think of it this way when I'm going through a testing time. I like to think and say to myself, I wonder how God is going to respond. I wonder how God is going to work this out. I know he's faithful. It's just a matter of how he's going to work this out. I know he's allowing me to go this through this. So I'll learn more about myself. And so I'll learn more about him. I trust him. Our doxology for this series from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.